if you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. If you've been following the podcast, then you've been following along as my Protestant friend Ed investigates and considers Catholicism. Now, for most of his career, Ed has been a church musician, serving as a music or worship pastor. We met when we worked at the same church about 20 years ago. In the last two episodes, I've been preparing him to attend his first Catholic Mass by explaining the purpose and structure of the Mass and how it differs from the various Protestant church services that he's familiar with. If you haven't listened to those episodes, it might be helpful if you did to set this one up. Well, we finally went. I took Ed to our diocesan cathedral on a Sunday morning. And then we went down the block to a taco place in the downtown Market Square, grabbed the table in the busy atrium, turned on the recorder, and Ed shared his first impressions of a Catholic Mass. Now, it was a bit noisy, so sorry about that. But this is right after the Mass, so it's raw and real and right off the top of his head. I think you'll find it very interesting. Welcome to Church Chats with Greg and Ed where Greg and his Protestant friend, Ed, chat about the church. So, Ed, we just came from your first Mass. We right. went to uh, the Cathedral of St. Andrew downtown, and now we're, uh, we're here at uh, Downtown Market. We just had some Mexican food, and now we're going to just sit, and I can't wait to hear what your impression of your very first Catholic Mass was. It, um, I, like I said in one of our previous podcasts that I thought I was going to feel nervous going in. And I did. I, um, uh, I was sitting, I got there early and I'm sitting in my car and I'm looking at the front door and I'm thinking, I don't know what's going to happen. I know these are all really nice people and nobody's, nobody's, you know, nobody's going to try to make my life hard in there or anything. But I still felt that same I still felt that sort of uh, apprehension, you know, of going in. But that, it, just that's interesting to me because you're you've spent your whole life as a musician, a performer, right. so you're used to kind of walking into situations where you're going to perform or you're going to see a, a concert or a show or something. And so, was it different than what you would normally feel for something well, like that? It's a similar feeling. I I have learned over the years that when I feel that feeling that the best thing to do is to stand up and walk in or walk into it, into the situation. Just get out. So I'm standing backstage and I'm nervous about some kind of performance or something. The best thing to do is get out there and get my hands on my instrument and go. And then it all, then I'm, then I'm moving and, and I, you know. But what's interesting about that is in that instance, you're in control. You're going to go out and perform. And today you walked into the cathedral and you're going to receive. You're not going to be right. in control. So what I uh, I got a jumble of impressions in my head, so I'm just going to spill good, here, and we'll good, see good. where it goes. The uh, the I'll talk about the music first because that's a big thing for me. Sure. Um, I hadn't read from printed music notes 
in, in a long time. And, and my first thought was... So, so just so the people are listening, not, not every church prints out... The, the songs, the music, sometimes you have a hymnal, right. this, that, but we did have, they, the cathedral had like a printed handout with all of the, the songs on it. Right, so it was essentially what well, you music would get in the hymnal, sheet yeah. music in front of me. So it was just the melody and uh, the words, and uh, they were simple, which I understand is by design, um, right? And my first thought was that this music was musically, that it was not complicated or sophisticated and there wasn't a lot of meat on the bones and I'm and I'm processing and I'm thinking well this is really simple but then I thought you know right on the heels of that was well I think it's supposed to be we, we all need to be able to sing it and it's got to be you know it's I, I assume you don't use the same songs every time but there's not they've, they've you've got to be able to get into them instantly um, at, at uh, in the world of praise and worship modern evangelical praise and worship bands there are no notes to sing and and that's um you have to know the song and so the shorthand is that that either you either you just learn the song quick okay which means they have to stay fairly simple or you have to already know the song and i find that the song people learn these songs by listening to the christian radio station and so and so that makes the the praise and worship band, essentially a praise and worship cover band. Right. Okay. And so everybody is, we're just doing the songs that people want to hear their favorite songs. They want to sing their favorite songs. Right. Uh, that's how these things become familiar. So as I was looking around, it was hard. We were sitting toward the back, so I couldn't, I couldn't see who was singing and who wasn't. And I didn't get a feel for that. Uh, I'd heard a lot of, but I heard a lot of voices. And when I stand on stage, uh, I'm still currently doing this off and on, right? Uh, it's just as a volunteer, I watch who sings and who doesn't. And I would say half the audience is singing fairly enthusiastically. Another quarter of the audience is um, trying to, they don't know the song and they're just, you know, and some of the, and then another 25% are just not even trying. They're just, their hands folded in front of them and they're just watching. I, I liked that that the music was printed out because everybody could do that. But I heard a lot of voices and it was fun to be in the middle of all those voices. Yeah. Uh, That's what I don't get in a, in a, in in an evangelical church. And I don't know that I'm saying it's right or wrong, but that's, that was my feeling was at an evangelical church, a big praise and worship band. You, that's a big sound. Yeah. It's hard to hear yourself right. because the big the band is so big and right. loud, and that's really fun. And uh, I've 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 been doing it since before. I've been doing it since it was wrong. <laughs> None of the other churches. People say you're doing what? You know, I was doing this in 1981. Right. You know, um, at the Pentecostal church. So that was fun. I also liked, as an aside, I like it that it encourages people to keep familiar with how to read music. It's, it's becoming a lost art, right. right? If you don't take choir in high school or something, you don't, right. you can't do that, you know? And that's something that we all learned to do. I learned to do it mostly from singing out of a hymnal every Sunday, all of my growing up years, yeah. right? So that was kind of, that was an observation there. I, the music also seemed very, at first I was thinking it was sad, but it's not. And, and, and it felt, it wandered in and out of minor 
keys a lot. It would be it was a mix of minor and major, which was interesting to me as a musician. But um, I realized that the word I was looking for was solemn. It felt solemn hmm. to me, or or weighty. Rever this was reverent, maybe. Reverent, yeah, another good word. Uh, that's how it felt to me. Like this is not about holding my and attention or entertaining me. This is about getting me about putting those words in my mouth and getting me to think about them uh, along with everybody else a as a group, right? Right. So I found myself... Maybe it's not about manipulating your emotions. Correct. Correct. Yep. It's, it was it's more about doing what's appropriate. Yes. It was more about the thing that was they were trying to do than, yeah, than it being, than it being uh, entertaining or cool or anything else. It was definitely not cool... Uh, something I'm, I in, later in life am becoming. I'm becoming less and less interested in how cool things are, and more and more interested in how good they are. Are they true? Are they beautiful? Are they good? Right, as you've talked about. So th there's a long way to go with that, and I, I, I mean, I just got a little tiny little right. taste. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, do they ever use? Do they ever do big choir pieces? Sure. There's time, yeah. Okay. There's time from time you have choirs. You okay. know. Okay. Did, yeah, just didn't them. happen to have one today. The, the acoustics were great. Um, that's something in, a, in, a, in, a, in an evangelical church. They, they take great pains to keep things from echoing. Right. And it looks like the reverse in the cathedral. They, sure. were, they were trying to make things, uh, all those reflective surfaces, right? So I felt myself relaxing into it okay. and just sort of, by the time we had done like three or four of them, and I, what were there, six or seven or eight of those maybe all together that we yeah. did, maybe, um, by the time we got about halfway through, I was, I was just into the flow of it. Right. It reminded me of the time that I went to a ballet performance, and the whole time I'm thinking, like, what does this have to do with swans, <laughs> right? But after a while, I understood that it was, it was an art form, right? And that it was, I was trying to, to pull the wrong thing out of it. And so I just relaxed and then I enjoyed it. That's, yeah. what, that's what happened here was I just started getting into the flow of it all, right? It's all new. Right. It was also, so I expected to be apprehensive. Right. But I didn't expect it to be as emotional for me as it was. Huh? Um, it was emotional because this is, well, first of all, it's a serious thing. And I take it seriously. Yeah. And this is a whole, I mean, I brought a whole bunch of stuff to this, right? My right. whole lifetime of not understanding this and having the wrong thoughts and about it and... Um, my own searching for how I want to do this and is that, you know, but that doesn't really explain to me why I felt emotion about it. I think I'm just, part of it is I'm wrestling with this, but part of it was that it was this thing that you've talked about of God being big and me being little. I definitely had that feeling. I'm curious to see if I ha would have that feeling in in a, a setting that wasn't so much like that, in a, you know, uh, I, I, the, the two or three Catholic weddings that I've been to, which has been my whole uh, experience, ha have been in what I would call a much more modern setting. So I'm curious to see if it, if it, you know, how that felt different. I felt myself, I think, 
I felt myself being drawn into it, drawn into the sort of uh, the bigness of it. And I liked, I liked feeling small in it. That was a, you know, right. um, it felt, it felt very serious to me. Like, okay, I don't know who's sitting here and what they believe and what their uh, uh, level of participation is in all this, right? But I found myself thinking, you know, if you do take this seriously, and many people, most people I saw seemed to be, then that's, uh, it was weighty. Yeah. It was a weighty thing for me. I, I um, it was so different right. than than the entire approach I've had all my life. Just, I I felt like I was in a different country or something. Like, you know, everything was different. The purpose of everything was different. The the priest was singing some things. And I I was thinking about, okay, well, then why is he singing that? There's got to be a reason... And and is he? A, and then I found myself. Yeah, is he a good singer? Is that a good melody? Because I'm analyzing all I'm everything, right? Yeah. And I'm trying not to. But the net effect was that I did feel drawn in to something bigger and something that how can I say this? That affected me, or 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 spoke to me would be another way to say it. In a way that I that was not, and as you've said many times, in a way that was not informational. Yeah. I already know this stuff. Right. Okay. I didn't learn anything new today. Right. About God or about my relationship to Him or anything, but I did feel challenged to uh, to sit up a little straighter yeah. and try a little harder. You know, yeah. as if as if as if. Look, Ed, this is all very serious. We take this seriously. We've all this stuff has layers of meaning, and it's all uh, comes through many centuries of of uh, you know this has been done in one form or another for for a very long time. Um, yeah, like here in America, this is this has been going on since before I was born. <laughs> so so there was all this weight of it, and then I felt the, I think I felt the weight of all the centuries of, of the, the historical background. You know, this is, I felt like the church service was saying to me, the mass was saying to me, Ed, you need to take this seriously, very, very seriously. And we're not letting you off the hook. You're expected to do these things. You're expected to know these things. And we're going to remind you of them very pointedly by, by having you sing and say, and we're going to talk about it in a very, in a very plain way, right. you know, when in most of the Protestant churches, all of the Protestant churches I've ever been involved in with communion was once a month or whatever. Yeah, right? once, a month, so once a quarter, every, once a quarter, every so often. Right. So how often did I hear that Jesus was uh, uh, died and, and buried and resurrected and and that sacrifice was for me? How how often do I hear that? Well, I assume that I'm going to hear that if I go to a Catholic church, I'm going to hear that every week. Every day, if you go to daily mass, that's right? right. You're, or, cel- or, you're going to celebrate the mass. When you but, go to the mass, you're, that's what it's centered on. So, so every time I go, they're going to say to me, Ed, Jesus died and was buried and resurrected, and it's serious, and God's not playing, and neither are we. So, 
so that's interesting because when we talked before you went, you know, you you were had this impression that there's a lot of stuff that happens and how much of this is, you know, kind of standard Protestant thing, how much of this is biblical. This seems like a lot of extraneous antique, you know, out of date, weird stuff that has nothing to do with the Bible or the gospel. And yet what I hear you saying right now is your first impression of the mass is it was all about the gospel. Yeah. I was aware that we had had that. I was remember, I remembered the conversation and what I had said and I thought, okay, I need to try my best to look past what looks like just a ritual and to ask myself what what is the deeper meaning and 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 what can I what is there for me in this to to grab onto right I need uh, how, how do I respond to this that was I, I didn't pick it all up the first time right uh, it was going by fast and then everybody's kneeling and I'm not and and the um you know, the moment would pass, and then I, and now I'm not. Oops, I didn't. Yeah, okay, I'm not going to do it now because right. you know it, it went bad. And and then, but the weight of it all. Uh, what can I say? This the weight of it all really weighed on me, and I found that that was emotional. I I I you know, um, I felt a little bit like I had touched something bigger, but in a way that didn't have anything to do with the information at all. Right. Not, it wasn't like I learned, like they reminded me in in words, they reminded me, the whole thing reminded me, the whole hour reminded me to to sit up straight and do this right. Right. I mean, so there's this central truth, right? The central truth of the gospel. And it begins like from the first procession, the processional when... Uh, the cross bearer, you know, the crucifix bearer comes in bearing the crucifix with the book of the gospels, followed by the book of the gospels, right? Followed by the priest. And from that first moment, it's the cross, the crucifix leading, followed by the gospel that testifies to the, you know, to to the death of Christ, followed by the priest who's here to celebrate the mass. Right. And all the way to the very end when we're led out by the recessional right. with the crucifix, right? right, and the gospels, and and the priest, and so from from the beginning to the end, it's all centered on that. And what you were just saying, you know, strikes me as interesting because it isn't about teaching you new information. It isn't about it isn't a Bible study. It isn't a this. It isn't a that. What it is is this central truth, and we're going to come and approach and dwell before right. and take that central truth seriously. They're gonna they're gonna. I think if I went to a mass like this every week, it would be, they're, they're going to set it in front of me again, and then they're going to set it in front of me again, and they're not going to let me, they're not going to let me wiggle out of it by doing a six-week series on how to, to honor God with your finances or something, which is not to say that it isn't important. How to raise, uh, he- you know, my seven-part <laughs> series on how to raise healthy kids in an unhealthy world or whatever. Exactly. Um, there's... And the the music in oh, another thing for me, and this is maybe this is just because of my background. Uh, when I go to a church that I and just sit, I can't stop myself from analyzing the music and the band and the performances, and I can't I can't switch it off, right? So here, I couldn't even see the organist. I have no idea what, what you know. I I don't know. 
Um, and I don't analyze organ music like that, even though I grew up playing it. I just thought to myself, I knew what, I knew what the organist was doing, but it, it's, there was nothing to... There was nothing to analyze. There was nothing to... Distract you? Distract me. There was, um, you know, I... When I left the big church, I continued to attend there for a while. And I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the, in the, in the seats one day, and, and the band comes out, and they're playing a song, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I can hear a modulation coming. I can hear that they're going to shift up a step or a half step into a higher key to give it a little more energy. I can feel that coming. This would be the spot to do it, and they're probably going to do it. It would be the smart thing to do in this point. And here it comes, and yeah, there it was. Oh, the bass player missed that. Look at him. He's looking around. He's not playing. He's he missed it. I wanted to stand up and shout. They they just they you missed the you missed the key change. Right. They're in B flat now. <laughs> um, uh, there was none of that. I, I briefly thought that the the woman singing the cantor. The cantor. I, I briefly thought, well, she's got a lovely voice. I assume they, you can't do that unless you have a good voice. <laughs> I assume. Um, and so that was nice. That was truth, goodness, and beauty. But it wasn't, it wasn't there for me. They were not presenting that to me as if to say, eh, that's pretty good, huh? Isn't that pretty, right. pretty good? It, it's like they're going to present, you know, that's not up to me. No, you're you're offering up something beautiful to God. But but it, I think it keeps coming back to this notion that when you and I both worked in the evangelical world and the megachurch world, and we both worked, you know, we both sat in the staff meetings where we would plan the services. It was all about what could we do to achieve the wow factor? What could we do to create impressions in people? In a sense... I don't think we would ever would have said manipulate people's emotions, but we right. wanted to create emotional responses or moments right. for people. I mean, we were, I, we were pretty conscious about that. Right. You know, this will really make people feel, this will help people to feel happy or sad or joyful or this at that moment. Right. And, and in a sense, it, it was about the people sitting out there yes. because the validity of whether what we, what, whether what we were doing that day was valid um, was determined by whether it produced the emotional response. Did people enter into the, you know, the moment with Jesus that we wanted to, to create? And so the focus, the, the low side, the, the center of what it was about was out in the seats. Right. Did we create in the people what needed to be created? And I think like what you were saying is you one has a sense in the mass that whether I'm here or not, Right. Um, this isn't about me. And that, that cantor is going to sing that um, because right. that's the psalm and she's singing the psalm. Or this is going to take place. And so I, I, in a sense, participate, but I'm drawn to become a participant. It's not right. orbiting around me. If there's an emotional response, then... It needs to come from a genuine emotion in me, moved by the truth and the beauty of it and all that. If I, if I have a positive emotional response, that's a bonus, but it's right. not the point. So, for example, true confessions today, right? Like, 
I was running off the house a little bit late. Um, there was a whole bunch of construction, the route I took to meet you here. Right. Or, and um, so I got delayed by the construction and I had, and I had to stop for gas because I'm like, oh my right. gosh. So anyway, I kind of ran in and I've got some things going on this afternoon that right. I have to deal with. So I felt like I ran in late or not late. We got right. there just in time, but I kind of ran at the last minute a little bit, frazzled a little bit. Right. Uh, harried thinking about the things I've got to do with my family this afternoon. And uh, there was a part of me that uh, wasn't necessarily into it emotionally. Right. It was a little bit distracted, right. a little bit frazzled. But the, the thing about the mass is that I was there, right? right? Like the mass was celebrated. Um, right. The death and resurrection of Christ was participated and celebrated through the through right. the sacrifice of the mass right and and I obediently came right. and participated in that whereas in the evangelical church it would have said um, oh my gosh I came and the whole reason we came was to create to teach me or teach me something new or to right. create this emotional response in me in which case again the validity of what we're doing you know, rises or falls on, on me. And, and there's something very, I want to say humbling, but even something comforting to know that I can come there and participate whether I'm feeling up or down. And, you know, when you talked about the people up and down the row, cathedral this morning, there were people very multiracial, yeah. uh, you know, people of every generation and race. Right. Uh, it looked like every kind of economic uh, category. Right. Right. Um, there were small children. There were old people. There were people who looked like they go to mass every day, and they looked like there were probably some people who maybe hadn't gone in many, many years. And again, what's great is God brings all of these people around, but the centrality of what takes place right. is on the altar. I, <clears throat> I am uh, one of the things I have grown weary of in the evangelical world, the Protestant world is that the music is follows the current styles, okay? Right. When it followed, when I was being paid to put the music on that was the style that I loved, mm -hmm. I was having a blast, yeah. right? Um, I, so it changes all the time, and, and that doesn't... What the message there is, who's the most important person in the church? Well, that big middle group that li that that likes yeah. guitars and drums and whatever. And I, I, you know, I got the feeling at the mass that they were not asking me if I liked this or not. So okay. So it's interesting to me, given your background, um, that a lot of your impressions centered around the music we've been talking for. 20-something right. minutes here, and we're, all, we're right. on the music. Um, and that's natural because that's who you are and what you've done right. with your career. But we're going to get together soon with a Catholic director of sacred music and let the two of you guys yeah. talk. But, yeah. but I'm, I'm curious to get past a little bit, just for first impressions, sure. past the music a little bit. What were some other things about you know, this experience that, that struck you? Um, I liked the reverence with which everybody participating... Uh, acted okay. So, so from uh, the the people who 
passed the offering basket and the, the people who brought the important objects in, in right. and the whole thing, there was nothing casual about it. Right. Nothing flippant about it. Not to say, uh, flippant's probably a bad word. Now, people I deal with in the Protestant world are not flippant, right. mostly. But there was nothing casual about it. There was a, there was a feeling of importance. Serious work. Those. Yeah, there was serious work. Um, I liked that. There was, um, there was a moment of what I thought was dead air when the priest was preparing for the Eucharist. Nice. And I was sort of leaning back and forth thinking... Uh-oh, somebody missed a cue. <laughs> and then I thought, no, that can't be right. And then I remembered that you said the priest had some things to do that were sort of, that you wouldn't hear him doing. He's saying some prayers and preparing himself. Right, you know, when he's when he's preparing the, 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 the right. gifts. And, and for example, there was one moment, I didn't want to whisper in your ear, but, you know, the altar server brought over uh, some a little basin of water and the priest, the priest washes right. his hands. Um, right. And privately or quietly, he recites some words from Psalm 51. You know, right. these are things that kind of take place during that moment right before the Eucharistic celebration. Because of the, the relative slowness of the pace, I found myself having a little bit more margin to think about the scripture reading and the homily and the, the, the words of the songs we were singing. I, I wasn't distracted by anything. In fact, the, the, the pace of the Mass forced me to slow down, mm -hmm. which is something I don't do very well. Right. Just ask my wife. <laughs> uh, and I really, I found that you were saying just a few minutes ago, I thought of this, that you came in late and you were kind of harried, you know. I found that this had a, a centering effect on me. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was pulling or being pulled back into the things that were really important right that are easy to not easy to lose track of during the week right you know uh, and the the pace the slowness of this really helped uh, that was that was a wonderful thing for me yeah you know I think of it as deliberate yeah okay good you know word. right yeah. like uh, of course the new agey word or whatever is mindful but I think there's right. a deliberateness. I like that one. It's it's like there's this sequence of things we're going to do. Right. And we're going to do them carefully, sequentially. Um, and, there's a, and there's a rhythm to that. You know, this is your first mass. If you go to a second or, or a thousand, right. after a while you begin to settle into the rhythm. And you right. learn it. And you kind of say, okay, now... It's, you know, the Old Testament reading. Now it's the right. this. Now it's the that. Now we're going to do, you know, the Lamb of God, Agnes Day. Now we're going right. to do this. And, you, and, and it's inc I find it to be incredibly comforting because especially in sort of a chaotic world where you're having a chaotic day, right. there's a lot of your life that, that is unpredictable, a lot of your life that's out of control. Right. The one thing I know is that I can go to the Mass and it will be deliberate and careful right. and executed in a, in, a, in a particular way, yeah, in yeah, a particular order, exactly. in a particular pace and sequence. And it's, it's like, uh, it's like those anchor right. in life, you know, um, this, it's almost like the tent pegs that hold down the tent from blowing away in the night. You right. know, it anchors you. I found myself, I never 
at the most emotional moments in a in a worship service, a Protestant worship service, I never feel a lot of emotion. It takes a lot to it takes a lot to draw that up out of me, right? Um, well, well, Ed, you know, we were both on staff in those churches, and you know, when we are backstage making sure that the fog, the fog machine, or the smoke right. machine, right. and the pyrotechnic machine, right. so that when people come in and we have the the swirling stadium lights, and then the the fog machine as the band right, comes right, out, right. right, so that this looks like some kind of a you know a rock concert or Disney thing, you know, there's. It's hard, especially if you've been behind the scenes of that, you know, there's this, we're trying so hard to create emotion that I know that in me after a while, it was actually counterproductive because I felt like now we're going to come out and we're going to do the show. And there's a part of me that just is like, I'm weary of the show. Right. Especially after the third service, I'm just thinking about where I'm going to eat lunch. Right. Right. Um, Maybe that's maybe that's I don't know maybe the maybe the, the 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 priest who does three masses in a day struggles with that I don't know that's that's a human nature, but I did find myself at least fifty percent of the way to tearing up a couple of times, but for reasons I had trouble. They weren't any specific things. It wasn't that I reacted to a particular moment. It was that the the weight of it was like it was drawing this out of me, right? And maybe that's because it was new to me, and maybe that's because I have some angst about all that. I don't know, right? But but it's important to me, and I felt that happening. And as I looked around, I didn't see anybody obviously not drawn into it or spacing out or looking at their phones or reading their bulletins or passing mints around or whatever. There was just, I didn't feel any of that. It felt like... And maybe I read too much into it. I don't know. Uh, but it felt like we were all really, all of us, and again, of every age and demographic groups, right? All these different demographic groups. We were all there for that very specific reason was to engage in this. And uh, that felt... That was an emotional thing for me. Yeah. And I don't know if that would... I, I don't know if that would continue if I'd feel it every time. I don't know. I do. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been to a gazillion masses or whatever. Right. Um, I feel it every time. And I think it's, it's precisely the, the predictability of it. It's precisely that deliberate predictability, which sort of runs, is counterintuitive. You'd think, well, right. something that's, utter, that's predictable and deliberate like that, after a while, you'll get, be, become familiar and you'll become bored. But it's almost like the other way around. You that predictableness, especially in the chaos of the world. Right. You know, I come right. and I participate in something that is true. Right. So the truth is proclaimed: the truth of the gospel, right. the truth of the resurrection. Right. And 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 it's and it's it's good. Goodness is celebrated right. because we're celebrating the goodness of God in our lives and the goodness of uh, us uh, of of the church in our lives, the goodness of each other gathering, and then it's beautiful. It strives for beauty. So it's right. got, you know, I, I come into the, the very quiet, deliberate presence of truth, goodness, and beauty. I mean, it's like, it's funny because there's certain kinds of things that, you know, uh, you know, maybe some people, our generation will remember, but, you know, you, you every time you watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or right. whatever, and they let him, you know, finally pull right. the sleigh or whatever, 
or the little drummer boy, right. you know, gets to play his drum solo for the right. baby Jesus or something, you kind of tear up because you go, right. and, I, and I think that's partly because you know what's coming. Right. It's called the little drummer boy. <laughs> it's called, right, right, right. you know yeah. exactly what's going to come. But when that moment comes, you're touching something that is true and good and beautiful, and it moves you. I just now realize as we're talking that although I was constantly asking myself, why are they doing this, and is this necessary, and, and all of those things, I never once questioned the truth of what they were talking about or doing. Right. I never once questioned the, anything in the homily. I, never, right. I didn't question... None of it. None of it was. Well, I don't know. Is that right or not? Because I'm always doing that, and I always will. I. I, I don't know. Like, right. my, like I say to my wife, "Have mercy on me. I can't turn it off." Well, you know. Let's see. This but is, I didn't this is the thing. I think happen. that we can. We can both say. You know, me having been Protestant, you be being Protestant, and us both having, uh, you know, spent our lives in in churches that took Scripture very seriously. My first impression when I went to a mass and my question for you is, was there anything that was unscriptural? Because, you know, when you say you didn't question it, what was there to question? I mean, from the moment that the, 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 the crucifix came in till it went out, right. what right. wasn't scriptural? I, I didn't. I, 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 that's what I'm saying. I didn't find anything that wasn't scriptural. The only things that I ever questioned were the approach or, or, or why are, why are we doing this this way? And this, this part seems, this part seems a little, you know, when the priest was singing, like, uh, you know, singing, I don't know, like it's early in the service, like, uh, let us gather. It's a welcoming kind of a thing. And he sang this little thing. I thought, you know, I, I might've, I said, I think I said to myself, well, why do you have to sing that? Why can't you just welcome? In the end, Toward the end of the service, I thought, well, I really, I guess I really don't have any quarrel with this. This is not a concert or, or anything like it. Um, and I didn't disagree with the words. It just wasn't, okay, uh, I'll show my hand here a little bit. It just wasn't cool. There was nothing, and, and I have worked all of my life to make church cool. I have been doing that. Uh, I remember being 11 years old, 12 years old, and riding in the car with my mom and hearing a rock, rock and roll song on the radio and saying to her, someday I'm going to make music like this and I'm going to make it for God and I'm going to do it in church. And she says, no, 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 no. That music doesn't belong in church. And I thought, well, you're wrong. And it does. And then, and, you know, so that, that spun me into a lifetime of trying to make this, you know, cool. Um, and now I find myself sitting there today thinking, thank God this isn't cool and isn't, they aren't trying to make it cool. There's nothing, there is no criticism I could level at this because they aren't even trying to do that. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I have nothing to say about the organ music and all of that, and I it, partly because I don't know a lot about it, but it was, you know, I, I relaxed with all of that. So, bottom line, what's what's your bottom line on your first mass and your impressions of it? I have to go. I have to go think about it. But 
some more and maybe write write about it uh, so I can have some thoughts. If we get together again, I can talk some more about it. I, I loved, for me, I loved the change, the change up, the change of pace. I loved the bigness of it all, the reverence of it all, the deliberateness of it all, as we've talked about. Um, I felt... Um, I felt like God improved me a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, like I took a step by doing this, and I don't think I will, during the week, shake this off very easily. Um, and maybe that's because it's new, and maybe that's because it's different and whatever. But I could see that if I did this on a regular basis, that it would have, it would have a lasting effect on me. It fed you substance. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So will you go to a second mass? Uh, I might. I might. I, I'm uh, intellectually, I'm curious about the differences like at your church, which is not like at all like the cathedral inside. So, I, you know, I'm well, curious about for, the, for the listeners. We just have a, a, a more a building built in the 1980s and it's, right. you know, it's, it's just it's, architecturally different. Right. It's not but the mass old. will be the same. But the mass, so I'm curious to see. Um, I think I've already answered for myself whether or not I think this is good and worthwhile. I think it was. Um, there's, for me to, to form any more impressions now, I think I would have to do it a lot. I don't, um, there was, a, I've talked a couple times about this, this long lecture series I listened to too, about the, the history of Christian theology. And at the end of it, this professor said, he said, in the end, I think what you need to do is pick how you're going to approach God and then don't, and then, and then do it for a long time before you ever question or criticize it. And that's, that is probably the spot I would say I'm already in. I've done a lot of reading. If I, uh, I am, yeah, I have to just think about, I have, to, I have a lot to think about here, but, uh, yes, I would, uh, yeah, yes, I would go to another one. All right. We'll, 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 we'll go down there, but some other stuff we're going to investigate. And I do want to hook you up with a director of sacred music. So you guys can talk about that and we'll keep on talking. So we'll get together for lunch again soon. Also, I'll put a plug in for the, for the Academy. I'm watching your music director's uh, series about sacred music. So before I talk with her, I, I hope to be I'm learning a lot Great. About, the, Great. about what it is they're doing and why. And for all you listeners, that is in the Lakeshore Academy for the New Evangelization Lane. And our director of sacred music, Audrey Thomas, has a wonderful uh, archived course on uh, sacred music. Great. So, Highly recommended. Thank you. One of the best ways to learn more about Catholicism, its beliefs and practices, saints and stories, heritage and culture, is to visit the places where the Catholic story actually unfolded with someone who can explain it, answer your questions, and help you apply it to your life. Especially as a part of a group of pilgrims that are sharing and supporting and praying for each other as they discover together. That's why the ministry that produces this podcast one Whirling Adventure offers 
pilgrimage trips. I'll be your guide and teacher, unpacking Catholic faith, life, and heritage for you in some of Catholicism's most significant sites. If you'd like to join me for a pilgrimage to places like Italy, Ireland, Israel, or France, visit the website onewhirlingadventure.org to see the dates and details of upcoming trips. That's onewhirlingadventure.org and click on the travel tab at the top. Let's discover our Catholic faith and heritage together. Thank you for listening. Considering Catholicism is produced by One Whirling Adventure, a 501c3 nonprofit organization with a simple mission to excite and educate people about historic Catholic Christianity and to equip them to live, share, and defend it in the 21st century. We depend completely on your generous donations. Learn more and consider supporting our ministry by visiting oneworlingadventure.org.